0: We'll
1: see, we'll work
2: it out. We're
0: gonna work it
1: out. You know what? I'll do, I'll try to adjust the volume on and, and edit and post if I need to.
0: Let's
1: do so, that. Y'all ready?
2: Yeah, we've been ready. <laughs> Welcome back, <laughs> y'all.
1: Street Academy podcast where we keep one foot in the academy and, and one foot in the street. Z, we back, we back, we back. hey Perfect. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Season two. Season two. Ah. <laughs> season, two. Ah. season two. Season two. Season two. Season two. Hey, man, we here, y'all. We are. So in- what's going on, y'all?
0: And we're working on a mantra yeah. to explain exactly what the Street Academy podcast is. So we are, we're, we're working on it. We're going to figure out exactly what it is, but we're gonna, I'm just going to read where we're going. Okay, where we're going with our mantra. So the Street Academy podcast is a space for conversation where Black people come together to discuss and have deeper conversations about what affects the Black community. Our intent is to break down the barriers of class, gender, and educational status, and to shed light on the counter academy that already exists within our community, something like that.
1: Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, we just dope. Like, that's all. Like, that's what it is. Like, we just doing dope stuff, man. That's what it's all about. Street Academy. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. We, we're we still form- formulating the official Our thing. thing. One
0: one other piece is we're here to illustrate the intellectual caliber of Black people from all backgrounds. Mm. An equal I'm plan, excited
3: about
0: that part. An equal playing field for Black people of all backgrounds that have rigorous Intellectual conversation about current events and provocative topics. Yes, that's probably the clearest one. So we might end up going somewhere with that.
1: Yeah, yeah, we might have to keep. Who I think Amber probably came up with that. She's
0: no, we all came up with it. We all worked (laughs) on this together.
1: I mean, I was watching Snowfall while we was doing it. I ain't gonna even lie. I was, (laughs) I was in the meeting, but I was watching Snowfall.
0: What is Snowfall?
1: I like like watching. It's a movie about crack in LA. (laughs) A show about crack in LA
0: all
1: right <laughs> yeah
0: well let's start our check-ins then. since we started with snowfall
1: what's going what's been going on with you John? man what's been going on um man life is great um i can't come life is actually pretty good this this black history month has been busy for me i've been having a lot of speaking engagements mm-hmm. um the good thing is though um i've been getting paid for these speaking engagements so it better well, like half of them and um, I don't know if you know the story of uh, Taraji P. Henson, but she talks about how she, you know, she was grinding in Hollywood and Hollywood was paying her this really low amount. And even when she did The Curious Case of Benjamin Button or something like that, even though she was a main character, they pay her like a really low amount. And so um, since, so Tyler Perry asked her to be in a film, to star in a film, she did it. And he said, well, how much do you want me to, pay you? How much do you charge that she had been getting paid? And can y'all hear me?
3: It
0: went out for a second
1: for me, but... Yeah, it just gave me a message. I just wanted to make sure y'all can hear me. Um, So then he was like, no, you deserve more than that. And so he he gave her a much higher salary. And ever since then, she won't take anything lower than what Tyler Perry gave her, right? So that same thing happened to me. Right. I, You know, I've been kind of doing things or whatever, favors and stuff for people, but I did a presentation for a Black organization, and they was like, listen, we're going to pay you X amount of dollars, and it was the most I had ever gotten paid to do like an hour speaking event, and I was like, I'm not taking anything lower than this <laughs> at, at this point,
2: because yeah.
1: I was kind of like this. So. I don't know I, I've been thinking about like business and like all right man should I do like an LLC and start like formulating and like making official you know some of the things that I'm you know I got planned and things I got going instead of just doing it in kind of more informal grassroots ways I'm, I'm like man maybe I should kind of make these things official so I've been looking into that all right that's cool.
0: I love, I love that too mm-hmm. let's go
2: so, Amber, what you got going on? <laughs> uh-uh.
0: Okay. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm feeling good, feeling great right now. I had a really long week last week um, because I am a teaching fellow at um, the Harvard Graduate School of Education for two different courses. Mm-hmm. And it's just because of our students are all over the world. Uh, we are accommodating different time zones. And so we have a 7.30 a.m. course, like several times. I, I have to just be on at seven thirty in the morning several times. And I'm just not used to that. Like I'd be rolling out of bed way later. So right. I'm still just getting adjusted to that whole thing but it's really been, it's felt really rewarding to just experience these people from all over the world in their setting. Cause when I was mm. up, um, in Boston I was able to be a teaching fellow then because I was there, and I didn't even think I would have the opportunity to do it again. But the courses are virtual, but being on campus is different because you see everybody in that context. Everyone is at in Cambridge, but here virtually you see everybody in their home environments, and I don't know, it just feels different, um, and it's and it's good. And so I'm really enjoying. I'm really enjoying this, and um, it feels good to be co-creating. course with um one of my colleagues that i really love dearly her name is tina Blythe, um and we're doing it together and i just appreciate the the um camaraderie that we have with the course it's just it's just great it feels really rewarding right now and it feels like um, one thing that happened that i really feel good about is um i'm not necessarily an expert at the content um and so i'm helping tina um like we're creating this course and I, but like when we're making the different decisions about the course, I, ne- I can't necessarily always speak from the content point of view, but I can speak sh- about structure and about like my my intuition about how things should go or not go. And something that it's like we were having a discussion about a particular piece. And I just was like, I, I just don't feel, I don't feel like this is it. I just don't think that we should do this basically. And then we kind of settled on something different. And then I was like, okay, I'm glad that we worked on that because she wanted to do it. And I was just like, oh, I don't think so. Um, and so once... Um, I said like once we had settled on a, a different thing, I was like, you know, um, I'm glad that we decided something different because my chest was tight about that. And she was like, oh, I'm. Anytime you you're, you feel something about something, I pay attention to that. I listen to that because I trust your mm-hmm. intuition. And i'm just like i appreciate that so much it's just like i'm learning throughout the years to trust my intuition more but in um a work environment for my colleague to say like i trust your intuition and your gut instinct about things and the way we do things that just felt really validating and so and that felt just good because you know sometimes i just question like what am i bringing to the table but it's just like you have something that you can't necessarily explain to folks until you get in that moment and it's just like that's wisdom from another place so i'm feeling good about that so Having a good weekend, yeah. having a good resting weekend. My mother's birthday was yesterday. We're gonna go eat oh, something today. And Shout out to
1: my dudes!
0: Yeah, yeah. To my dudes. Time. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm feeling good.
1: Man, how's she been doing? She's been doing good,
0: she has been doing good. Mom's been doing good. better, yeah. cool, man. Mm-hmm. Thanks for asking yeah, So, yeah,
1: definitely uh, keeping at my prayers.
3: Feeling good, feeling great. How have you been, Jackie? Mm. Man, I have been deep. In my dissertation hole. Woo! Trying to officially be that doctor in May. Um, So, you know, I've been super deep in my dissertation hole. Um, I finished one big piece of it earlier this month and shared it with um, a few folks and got some positive feedback. So now I'm on to the next big part. Trying to, you know, make it work. Okay. That's, That's consuming most everything about my life right now.
2: Okay. Amber, can you hear Jackie pretty
1: good? Yeah, I can. You can? Okay. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, maybe it is. Let me try. I'm going to go get these other headphones and see if I can hear. Hold on.
0: All right. I guess we'll just continue going with the conversation. <laughs> oh.
3: <laughs> Amber, I love your little uh, interpretive dances. You like it? I'm
0: feeling real. I'm feeling movement today. You know why? oh so if anybody's interested this is why i feel like i'm also so perky right now is mm-hmm. because um i don't know do you have apple music for those who have apple music and i know it's bad for the artists um spotify all the streaming services are bad yeah it's just the way that i listen to music so my apologies to all the musicians out there yeah. um, <laughs> and so i've been listening to apple music and they actually if you go to their tab um where it's just like like Black History Month, is just like browse. And so mm-hmm. you go to like Black History Month and you click there and they have playlists from different celebrities and like influencers mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, and so... I've been listening to the Angela Rod playlist and it is so good. It's, it's, <laughs> like, it's, just, like, it's just like, you I know, how, that being really you know how she's already fiery or whatever. It's just yeah. like every track on here. It's just, it's just, it's just like, I'm feeling it. And she has a flow to it too. I'm just like, you start off, she start off with, um, Janelle Monet, And then she goes to, heard, I don't know how to pronounce his name. And I feel bad that I don't know how to pronounce his name. Fela, Fela Kuti. How do you oh, it? Fela, oh, Fela.
2: Fela, Fela, Kuti. Kuti. Fela
0: Kuti. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it goes to a track with that. And then she goes into like the you know, young gifted in black, uh, goes into a change is gonna come. And it's just like the flow is just so nice. And I'm just like, black,
2: I feel so black. Ah, yeah.
0: so <laughs> it just feels good. So that's just for all of y'all who have Apple music, go check out the playlist that are there. There's a number of different artists. Erica Badu has when I was listening to hers um the other day too. So yeah. So but speaking of. Uh, feeling so black that's our (laughs) subject for today let's go what does it mean to be black what does it mean to be black hella black hella proud hella educated loving that shirt so and and
1: i want to explain this at some point too but yeah oh
0: yes we definitely going to have the opportunity so now guys we are going to have segments in our podcast and this first segment is going to be called off the georgia dome where we look at the topic and each of the co-hosts spend about a minute to just say our free thoughts about the topic so let's go off the georgia dome real quick who we're gonna start with let's start with the hella black Negro in the building. <laughs> okay, so, what does
1: it mean to be black? What does it mean to be black? Black is man. Black is beautiful. Black is antiquity. Black is the beginning. Black is forever. Black is eternity. Black oh. is. Oh man, when I when I think about black people, say I don't want to limit myself to being black. I feel like when people call me a black man or a black scholar or a black artist or a black creative, it's I I, I feel like I expand more than just saying I'm. I'm an artist, so I'm a Scott Like I feel like it's it's even deeper when I put black on it, as opposed to being limited by being black. So, mm. yeah, black is black is everything, everything, hey. everything.
3: Hey, I felt
2: that. It. It's beautiful.
3: This, Let's go. Like that needs to be like written and framed somewhere. Listen, <laughs> I'm glad we recorded just... this. <laughs> yeah, Jackie,
0: what does it mean to be black?
3: Man, I think about this so much. And before we went live, um, John and I were talking about um, Judas and the Black Messiah. And it reminded me of the whole uh, controversy because Daniel Kaluuya, Mm
2: -hmm.
3: um, if I say, if I butchered his name, you know, I apologize, but he um, is British. He's Afro-British. And so um, there was a lot of Um, controversy around him getting the role of Fred Hampton who of course is African-American and so when I think about Black and who gets to claim Black I don't Mm. know I just feel like that's just so much contested space about who Mm -hmm. gets to claim Black identity.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that and
0: so for me that's where I feel too when I think about what does it mean to be Black I think about how people um, in different ways, try to police blackness. Um, mm. even black people we com- we police blackness too because black, being black means something. and um, we've had to we've gotten um, oppressed because we were black in some ways, you know and then at the same time we get to celebrate in specific ways because we're black. And so mm. it's just like it's something that we take pride in. so it's just like in one way it's just like, Everybody can't have it because everybody ain't it. Um, and at the same time, it's just like we know everybody want to be it. And I would say when it comes to being black, it's like you know how we've heard everybody want to be black, but don't nobody want to be black. I feel like that's that's a thing. Um, but like when I think about being black, it it is just like it is the litest shit ever. <laughs> like
1: it's it, so amazing. It's so white, wonderful.
2: <laughs> it,
0: it gives you just a. I feel like it. it I feel like it can give you a perspective it depends on how you interact with your own blackness how you think about your black identity um, there's so much there because it's like if a, <laughs> this is silly but you know I love the, how
2: Amber like <laughs> she, she stopped and laughed at her own personality
0: <laughs> I enjoy She's myself awesome. I enjoy myself that's and black
1: and... That's, a, that's, that's black right there we just we don't need nobody else around.
2: No, we, no,
0: just, no, no. we just, we just. No. We good. Actually, that goes to my. That actually goes to my exact point because that's what I was laughing about. I'm like, this is a riff off of like, if a tree falls in a forest, is it? Did it? Did anybody hear it? Did it really mm. fall? So I'm like, if a, if a nigga is by themselves, or if a black person is by themselves, are they black? <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like i think you just answered the question <laughs> i believe that they are no matter where they right. really are yeah. um and yet it's just like that understanding of that person
1: i and, almost want to challenge that though because but, i know but because, i can't yeah, yeah i do too yeah.
0: because now i'm just like does that really work because we have people like i don't even know the 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 who's the guy out there in st louis with brian um Well, with Brianna Taylor. Oh, Daniel
3: Cameron.
0: I try not to remember his name. So yeah, Um, him. People like that, it's just like, is he black? Does does he get his card revoked? Whatever, even being black. So anyway, Mm. that's off the Georgia Dome. That's where we are. So now we're about to just dive right into this topic. Let's go. What does it mean to be black?
1: What does it mean to be How do we want to talk about the
0: interaction of all of these pieces? Jackie, is it No, because
3: as soon as you said like that whole example of like being alone and John was like oh you know I want to challenge that I was like of course the sociologist is about to to challenge it (laughs) so I kind of want to hear more but I I have an idea of where he might be going
1: let's go John Mm -hmm. so so I I agree with you that for black people we just we're us we don't necessarily need others to validate our blackness but I feel, though, as black Americans, what I found in looking at and talking to both in a formal setting, like doing actual research studies, and then just kind of informal and just talking to people, that a lot of times black people understand, black Americans understand their blackness in relationship to whiteness. So whatever white people do, the opposite of what they do then is blackness. And so we're always just and 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 I don't think it's necessarily a thing that I'm not harping on us for saying that because I think we all do it, but I think that's just a product of our history, right? Our history in this country, the African American identity, a large part of that is based in oppression (laughs) like that's part of our story we don't want we're we're trying to get to a place where we can move where that is not a main part of our story but we're not that far away from slavery you know what I'm saying if we're honest and so that's still a large part of our identity so we look at white people and we like oh well white people do that but we do the opposite and then that's Mm. blackness you know what I'm saying or blackness Mm. is anything that's not related to another culture i think that exists with african-american identity and i think because our identity has been stripped from us so much we've we're, we're constantly um doing every like we literally did a whole great migration <laughs> we did a whole migration mm-hmm. to whole other regions of the country just so that we can mm-hmm. find a place to be ourselves and that's not necessarily something that i think other black people within the african diaspora really can can relate to so to them they look at us as man y'all don't know who y'all are y'all are always tripping about who's black and who's not and you, mm. and it's because that identity stripping us of our identity was one of the key ways in which they were able to
2: absolutely enslave
1: us and so we've been spending all this time trying to figure it out and trying to find it in you know Harlem Renaissance and the New Negro movement and okay well are we this well are we that and so when we do things like oh, well, this person is Black, but this person ain't Black. Kamala Harris is, is really Black, but she also part Indian and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can critique it, but then at the same time, I'm like, but that's just us still trying to, we still trying to figure it out. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And, and we're, we're not far away from where being Black literally meant property. We're not that far away mm. from that. So I feel like, you know, I still give us give us some patience. So that's why I kind of push back on that, in that I still feel like the Black American identity, it, a lot of it is centered around whatever is the opposite of whiteness. Mm. That
2: is not where I thought you were going with
3: that. <laughs> <now>. <laughs> mm. yeah. but,
0: there is so much there. Yeah. And yeah. I I wonder. Yeah. Mm. You just left me with so much, Jackie. You got something. Yeah, I was. I was going to say.
1: I want to know what Jackie thought. I was going, and then what? And then what you think?
3: I mean, I really, when I think about um, black blackness, and I think about black people, I think about community, and so I think that you know, even going back to the gatekeeping point that you mentioned, Amber, that I think is you know. I I sometimes grapple with because, you know, on on one hand, it's like, okay, well, if you have a particular uh, Black parent or, like, you know, different sorts of, like, connections to Blackness, I'm I'm not talking about, like, white people being Black. I'm talking about, like, you have a parent, like, you have an African lineage um, that um, you're Black, like, nobody could take your your literal DNA away from you. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, um, how mm. folks bend that DNA. You know, somebody might take a DNA test and be like, oh, it, it has come I am. I'm 100%
0: that bitch. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> or I'm 5% Nigerian and now I'm Black. So, mm. you know, so I, I think that there's something to be said about, like, the validity in gatekeeping Blackness, but also, like, obviously it's not super clean. Um but, you know, going back to the point yeah. about community, I mean, I, I thought you were going to say Blackness, like, to, to an extent, Blackness is about getting that validation from community. So, like, you mm. can be by yourself and say, I'm Black, but until the community also accepts you as Black, then that individual Blackness only goes but so far. And I think for That's some people, point. like, it's not, it's not like a, a difficult threshold to cross, like, I can walk into the street right now. I don't think that there is anybody who will be like, "Mm, is she black? Is she not black? Mm -hmm. You know, but that, you know, there are some other people like we just talked about Daniel Cameron. Like we might at first (laughs) say that he's black, but then after seeing how he acts, it's like, "Mm, are you really, sir?
0: mm, And so, you know what that makes me think of? It's so important that you said that piece too about are you black? And I think that has become a question for us because it's about trust. And it's about you know how people and we i know we were going to talk about this one time about the whole idea of like all skin folk and kin folk (laughs) and so it's just like although you may be black on the outside or racially and looking at you visually you have these characteristics of a black person that does not mean that you have a specific ethos or logos or patho any any of that or a particular way of thinking and so it's just like in some ways we've had to like be a gatekeeper or police it because it's just like we can't trust everything on the outside. So when it's just like, are you black or are you black, black? Are you black, blackity, black or black, 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 black? black? And so, I mean, in that also going back to John's point about how blackness is contrasted with whiteness, um, it's just like, and how it doesn't seem as though the black American identity has separated from um, the, the days or the kind of the, the residue, the artifacts of enslavement. And how so much of the way that we think now comes from that, even in this idea of like, are you black? It becomes important because we go, we think about the overseers back then. It's just like a lot of times the the black overseer, black other Africans were used to be those who would inflict harm. And so mm-hmm. it's just like they created this separation between Blacks and types of Blacks, you know? And mm-hmm. then also when it comes to, of course, the, the, you know, field slave, house slave thing, it's just like that again becomes like this separation of types of Black and that that had real social consequences and, right. and it had real, um, <laughs> it mattered. It, your experience on the plantation mattered <laughs> and your proximity to whiteness mattered and shaped your experience as a black person or as a slave. So when it comes to like even defining blackness and if whiteness is here, it's like your proximity to whiteness literally matters, has consequences, shapes your daily life. And so the way that we have continued to think about that, it has... It, it, it just reveals itself in different ways. Now, hundred years later, not even that far really, um, as we're still thinking like, and we're still looking at like, who's black, who's not black, because can I trust you? Can I not trust you? Are you, um, are you, paid by the man like and so going back to the idea of Judas and um what is it what's it called again Judas and the Black Black Messiah
3: Messiah. yeah
0: and so even I don't know if you all saw that documentary on Netflix about Malcolm X but it's just like one of his closest I don't remember the guy's name but his closest guy That was the informant. Are you kidding me? And so it's just like, are you black? Are you like, it's just like, is there something else that makes you more black than somebody else? Is there a certain allegiance to your people to your cause um, that could warrant a person more black than another person?
1: It's it's so interesting though, um, and even talking about that, and, and going into not only um, can y'all hear me because my microphone yeah. was acting up. Okay, um, <clears throat> going to uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, and also Malcolm. But then, and I was listening to another podcast talk about it, and I was, and I've often thought about this as well. Um, sometimes we look at those people like you know, this is going to be a spoiler alert. So if you haven't seen Judas and the Black Messiah, you know,
0: it's out already.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Oh, I
0: didn't know
1: that. Yeah. Um. Oh, well. If you haven't seen, it, I don't want to spoil it for you.
0: But you, but you was on a road. Go ahead, spoil
3: okay.
1: it. Well, well,
3: well. You well. also spoil a uh, something based on a true story. Like actually, a
0: true story.
1: that's true too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you. I mean, you know what it is. You it's, know
0: just what it's a matter of history. Yeah. Okay.
1: Okay. So. Okay. That's so then. True. Okay. So then. This
0: point,
2: Jackie.
1: Okay. Yeah. So then. Is this is history. <laughs> you can literally just like (laughs) google it (laughs) it. um but yeah so so when we think about those people who were informants right particularly this guy bill o'neill who was an informant for you know the chicago black panther party um part of it was because he was he was stealing he was like stealing he was a thief and then You know, they called him and they said, well, if you don't want to go to prison for two to five years, then we need you to be an informant. And that happened a lot. Right. I think that probably happened in the Malcolm X case. I'm pretty sure. But that happened a lot. So then the larger question is, well, why was he stealing you know see yeah, what I'm saying? Exactly, exactly. Why did he feel the need to do that? Why is he living in poverty? If he was never in this situation, if he was middle yeah. class or if he had more opportunities, he probably wouldn't be stealing. And then he probably would have had more respect for what Fred Hampton and them was doing. So yeah, we can come down on dude. You know what I'm saying? Because at the end of the day, we all kind of like, listen, what you did was still wrong. It was still messed up. But in looking at the bigger picture, I still blame white people because it's Black History Month. Right? <laughs> and so Black History Month, white people get blamed for everything.
0: You know what, though? I, and I'm glad you went there because that's I, I reason in that way as well in the sense that it's just like, it's, it's still this whole idea. It's morphed in different ways. So it's just like snitches get stitches. And it's just like, it's the idea of like you colluding with the man or whoever. One of my favorite songs of all time is... Um, how does this go? I don't know, but it's like no, you broke, no. <laughs> actually though,
1: Actually, that is my favorite song Um, but it's
0: it's this it's a similar track. It's the one that's don't hit me on my um next um next tail chirp. Damn it, why am I forgetting it's just don't hit me on my next tail chirp unless you're trying to call about some other new work? Why
3: you I've
2: never Jackie, don't you know him. that one.
3: I am unfamiliar. And, J-
1: and Jackie, the queen of <laughs> trap. I don't,
3: <laughs> I don't think finished? I heard that one. Uh-uh.
0: Don't hit me yeah. on my, don't hit me on my next tail chirp.
1: Uh uh-uh. uh who sang
2: That, Maceo. On that one. Macyo. you
0: play how hatters out there. You tune into the sounds of the Southern style DJs. Now I'm about to read it. <laughs> but anyway, we're gonna have to come um, back on. Don't hit me on my next tail chirp. But basically, mm-hmm. that whole song is talking about. I feel like it's such is it I, I feel like I want to do a study on that song because it's just basically people mm-hmm. is black people telling other right. black people what you do to I'm not get s- um to, to not be um surveilled because it's all about surveillance. So it's just like don't hit me on my next tail trip if you're trying to talk about some work.
1: Oh, uh, okay. okay
0: and so it's sense. just like and i just love that because i feel like it's like a negro spiritual it's just a different kind of Negro spiritual because it's trying to tell you it's like the negro spiritual is like this is the underground railroad like we're mm. trying to get you to freedom and this one is like hey don't you know the feds are out there you can't they, they they got you wired brother like don't don't go to the fryer like i can read some of the lyrics it, it, it makes me very happy actually because i'm just mm. like yes this is uh. so it's okay i got to read it ready so i ain't trying to have them um to, um, i ain't trying to have them fans running in my doorway see i've been doing this here for a long time nigga did 25 years over phone time that's a long time to be trying to ride out picking up my phone like me, me at the hideout it's just it's just good, it's Ooh, just
2: good. Like, that's, poetry, <laughs> that's poetry baby <laughs> that's poetry Let's yeah, that- man <laughs>
0: all that's
2: that's to say though it's just like
0: I feel like we communicate that has always reminded me that it's just like you know, informants are a thing, wiring is a thing, but that's because we're coming from a place where we're trying to get out of something. You, The, the bribery comes from, it's, it's typically money related. And it's just like, if the system wasn't here, you wouldn't have so many people being informants and things like that, or because they're trying to like, get out of some other situation. So I really respect that point that you made, John. And yet, and yet, you gotta throw in a yet, what about people like Daniel Cameron?
3: What about what about him?
0: (laughs) Because is that a money situation? Is it because he's like like in that instance? I I want to have empathy towards all my brothers and sisters, and yet someone like that, I'm like, okay, yeah, the brothers just lost. Mm. Is he in the sunken place? Has he just been so programmed that this is his reality? And all I can say is, I hope he sees himself in a different way. I feel like I have more empathy for the brother on the corner who ended up being an informant than for somebody like Daniel Cameron.
2: Hmm.
3: Yeah, I, I mean I, I, it, some folks might argue that in a sick way or a convoluted way that Daniel Cameron is like a modern Capone tell informant I, I mean I could I could see that but you know I also think that like the the ministry of some black folks is to like why have a wide space for all black folks to to come in and and be a part of community and I am a recipient (laughs) of that ministry, not necessarily someone who is a excellent leader and practitioner of that ministry. Mm. It is very difficult for me to make space for folks who um, are, I think there are two types of, there are some folks who are like willing to learn and grow and they just like need patience as they learn and grow. And then there are some people who are like, I don't care nothing about what you're talking about. And for that group of folks, it's very hard for me to like, create space for them to to be in community and i think yeah. daniel cameron like if he wants to identify as as black go with god <laughs> you know <laughs> i i wish you god's the best of in your life yes I, mm-hmm. I wish you Godspeed. and that's all i have for you as a matter of fact there's this clip and I don't even know how I ended up watching it again recently. It's like one of the, the, the clips that lives rent-free in the back of your mind. <laughs>
2: um,
3: but it was a Whitney Houston clip. And she was on um, like a talk show or doing an interview or something like that. And mm. someone was like, well, what do you think about Mariah Carey? And she was like, I don't. And I was, like... I was Yes, I thought that. Yes.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you how know, I feel oh, I about Whitney. Daniel Cameron. <laughs> oh, Whitney was the, the shade queen.
1: Oh, uh,
0: wasn't she? She Whitney wasn't was necessarily the shade trying queen. to be shady in that instance because, like, keep going, Jackie, because I figured you would. Yeah, talking. I mean,
3: there was like a context to, to them, like, trying to mm-hmm. paint Mariah and, and Whitney as like either competitors or like mm-hmm. whatever they were trying to do. They, they were trying to lump them together. And she was like, she's in her lane. I'm doing my thing. I'm exactly. not, you know, trying to interfere with her. I, I don't mean it in like a supportive way. I mean it in a completely petty and shady way. Mm. What do I think of Daniel Cameron? I don't. What do I think of the rest of his ilk? I don't, you know? I appreciate that, like, yeah. Go mm. with go with God, and if he brings you back into the fold, then mm. maybe I will think of you at that point in time, but uh, uh, today, uh, you know?
1: Because, because Don Lemon, right? 2012 Don Lemon yes. is different yes. from...
3: He- he, he grew that little
1: fro out. Listen, he, yeah, that, little, <laughs> that
2: little, that little, that thing curled yes. up. Yes, and
3: he is a he is a whole new person. oh that's junior. crazy. You know what's crazy? I I remember like I was not someone who like understood news <laughs> and <laughs> it.
0: It was like the fro just started connecting him to blackness. Like the it cord. did it, like, it
3: did. There was something about it that just made him come back into the fold and I remember the very first time I felt like I came to an understanding or recognition of who he was um and it was during the um the response to George Zimmerman's acquittal you know people Mm. were out in the streets and Mm. stuff and um no I think that's wrong maybe maybe it wasn't Trayvon Martin It might have been Michael Brown.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: Um, In either case, Don Lemon was reporting and it was like a riot in response to um, a black boy dying. And he said, um, I'm out here in the streets and you know, like it was night and you see like the smoke and stuff like those, those scenes that we very commonly see on the news. And he was like, and obviously there's the stench of marijuana in the air.
1: And I Oh like, yeah. I remember that.
3: <laughs> I remember <laughs> that was the that. very first time I, I grabbed my phone and I was like, who is this man? Like, who is Don mm. Lemon? I don't know who he is. Mm. And I had to like look him up. And I was like, that is the most aside commentary that just don't even make no sense. It, right. would, it would be like if I was like and obviously people have blue shoes on and I'm like what, what does that have to do with anything and why is that obvious? Mm-hmm. So yeah but that's not him anymore. He didn't uh, he didn't turned a corner.
2: He
0: has he has. And I think all of us have in different ways and I know for me too I feel like my corner turned when I went up to Boston more mm-hmm. so than in any other point in my life. I think I was so comfortably in blackness that I wasn't thinking about it as much um, because I'm born and raised in Atlanta, I went to black schools, went to a HBCU. And so once I went up to a place, which goes back to your report and John, it's like, once I saw the whiteness, the contrast mm. of blackness became clearer. And so I feel like I became more black. Mm.
2: And so it's just mm-hmm. like, but
0: when it was like black against black, it's just like, I ain't thinking about it. But once mm. I went up there and saw the contrast and it was like, I am a black woman very much so
1: you know what I'm gonna be honest with you and I, I, I've kind of wanted to have this conversation with you um I noticed that shift with you Amber when you went to <laughs> home I, I really did because I don't know if you remember a conversation me you Ayana
0: I know, okay. Zell,
1: you remember that it was like which at the, one
0: which one you it was at up. the
1: bottom of Berean it was like something after church or something mm-hmm. and we were I think it was having dinner or something. And it was like at the at the bottom of Berean. It was a bunch of people, a bunch of youth or whatever. And we were talking about race in the church and something about, you know, should the church be separate or should the church be, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. And I remember you was like, no, we need to be together because we are all going to be in heaven. And I was like, no, we need to be separate. (laughs) We need to be away from them. I'm sick of being around them. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. No. And we went back and forth. And then you went to Harvard. And when you got up there, you was, I think, I think the very next Facebook post I saw of you was some Cornell West quote. And you was at a you was at a protest and you was like, and I'm black, y'all, and I'm black, y'all, like, and I'm black and black and black black. <laughs> no. Ever went up to Boston and was like, no. Yes. And I it's mean true. your whole I saw it's I saw true. your whole shift is happening. It was it was, it was
0: beautiful.
2: It was beautiful.
0: It's true though, like quite yeah. quite Like yeah. It, and you know that's why i'm I'm like and and that's why i kind of have a sensitive space to be like let's can we give people grace because i also know like my own transformation where it's just like i began i began to see things more clearly in contrast to whiteness and then also it was the time that the world was in like i went and i and i always say this when i talk about my boston experience because it's crucial because it was within a specific context too it's like i went up to boston a week after no a week before um Trayvon Martin's killer was acquitted so it's just like it was that context so it's like I was Mm. went up there in the heat of how things began to rise Um, and so it's just like Trayvon Martin was a thing when I was going and once I got there I remember sitting in the car with the gracious um, woman who let me stay in her place um, at that time Brianna and when we heard the verdict I remember it was, in the, it was a night, I don't remember what night it was, but we were in her car and we just screamed. We were just like, ah, we cannot believe it. Yeah. Like we just screamed. And that was a week just of me being there. And that could have been a foreshadowing, actually, to mm-hmm. say this is gonna be a different mm-hmm. kind of experience here with you in Boston. Because then after that, we know then the next year was Mike Brown and then it was like Eric Garner, and then everything kind of, and then everything just rose. Yeah, and then that was me. It was just, it was like, that was my first time. Um, well, no, that wasn't my first time in participating in a protest. I had participated in protests um, when we when the Genesis Six thing happened back in, I think mm. it was like 2007 or 2008. Mm-hmm. I remember, um, my class, some of my classmates and I at Oakwood, we were driving to Louisiana and um, with, with some of our professors and protested for the Geno 6 back then. Mm-hmm. Yet the awareness that I had then is very different than the one I have now. So right. I, it, it definitely was, it was an mm-hmm. awakening and that awakening happened. So I'm so glad you mentioned it, John. that awakening happened once I had more proximity to whiteness. Mm-hmm.
2: Actually,
3: I was gonna say like- It's very then- interesting being proximate to whiteness like almost makes you have to make that decision of mm. like is this something that I'm mm. gonna be okay with and like be supportive of like once I see it for what it what it can be mm-hmm. um or am I gonna like push back against it and I think mm. that's why I have such little respect for someone like Daniel Cameron like
2: I mm-hmm. understand that
3: um Mitch McConnell is his mentor and I'm like what forget, yeah like forget the the former president who just left office but you know in my opinion mitch mcconnell is probably the most evil white person walking the face of the earth um mm. well at he, least has, Ru- a, he no. has a lot of competition so
0: i was gonna he's, say rush limbaugh um but is he's gone no long, but that was said, but, he's no, <laughs> but he's no longer walking and, I don't and know, i'm
1: not saying rest in peace or anything like that um Bye. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah. You
3: gone. I really like this uh mustard color. You know that's that's how I feel about it. Mm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 I, yeah. I was gonna say your background is amazing.
2: Thanks. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Notice how that's we all good. got plants. The plants. Yeah. <laughs> you got the plants in the background. So.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: That's yeah.
1: awesome. Yeah, man. So, but yeah,
3: you know that, that proximity to, to whiteness and and so yeah, so I have very little respect for people who see what whiteness can do to them and to the people who look like them and then yeah. double down in support of it. I'm like mm. no, I don't I don't I don't see it for you.
0: I mm. 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 let that sit for a second. Yeah. I, I'm...
1: yeah I had to I had to stay there for a minute. Mm. Let that breathe.
0: So then, let's just talk about now because we're because we're talking about blackness here and being black be black. Let's talk about the different types of blackness, and so that that's definitely a conversation nowadays more so than ever too. So, um, sure. Jackie, I remember you mentioning Judas and the Black Messiah. Mm-hmm. Um, there was um, some controversy there about the lead actor. Can you say yeah. more about that?
3: Yeah. So you know, um, Daniel Kaluuya is uh, British. He's like Af- Afro British. Um, and I do not remember like his, like ancestry or exactly what country, um, on the continent his people are from, but, um, I know that there was controversy around him and then there was controversy around, uh, Cynthia Erivo playing Harriet Tubman Mm -hmm. because I think she's British as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and so the idea that these great black American icons needed to be also represented by black American folks, um, which I think is, is connected to like the ADOS movement.
0: Um, mm-hmm. Can of, you say what that is for the people?
3: <laughs> yeah, I think that's um,
0: African A- descendants African,
3: of- Or is it American descendants of slaves? African,
0: I think it was, I thought it was-
3: African African descendants, descendants of slaves. I um, will look it up, but it's American.
0: It's like, de- oh, American descendants of slavery. Oh, yeah. okay.
3: Okay, so basically, black folks who are living in the U.S. who can trace their ancestry back to <clears throat> folks who were enslaved here, like in the American South. Um, and someone might correct me on if it's just the American South, um, because it's it's you know I, I have an interesting connection to. Um, the United States, mm. but like through my ancestry, but, um, but yeah, you know, I, I think the idea of like who gets to, to claim blackness and who gets to represent what it means to be black um, and who gets to represent what it means to be American black um, is an interesting conversation to me because I, I do think that for folks who Mm. there's there's no black folk who is untouched by the legacy of colonialism like even if you are um living on the continent right now like you are not untouched by the legacy of colonialism um and then if you are in the western half of the world you know from canada and whatever is higher than canada antarctica i guess i don't know um all Depends on how you down. look at the world oh, mm-hmm. Touche, touche All the way down through South America Like your life You know, your your life has been touched By the legacy of slavery mm-hmm. um, And then there's this whole other conversation About black folks being indigenous To the U.S. And like coming here before like yeah. First Nations indigenous folks Which I'm just getting <laughs> I'm just getting hip to that conversation I'm like I didn't even know that folks were like staking that claim that's a whole nother whole Mm -hmm. nother thing of like you know my ancestors were never enslaved like we came here before so that's a whole nother (coughs) a whole nother conversation um but yeah I mean I just think it's interesting like who gets to to claim this but who also gets to represent like not only the U.S. legacy of slave well I guess who who gets to represent the legacy of slavery. and I, I, I understand like different countries contributed to how black folks were, were traded as, as, as property across the world. Um, but the violence that was visited upon black people does not feel distinct to me. Um, you know there are some folks who are like Oh yeah you know there were some owners who treated Black people fairly and gave them damn about
0: that. Nah right. nobody like, trying to
3: know, hear that shit I don't, Right <laughs> I, don't, I don't care About that um, We know by and large like slavery was a really Violent institution uh, mm. And the legacies of the governments That have come out of that From Canada all down Continue to practice violence Against Black, be- black people um, And I, I mean I guess I'll, I'll also say that um, the whole ADOS argument is, is interesting to me in particular because it's hard for me to figure out how it's being defined. So I understand that it's like American descendants of slavery, but it seems to be really restricted to the, United, the, the Southern states in, within the US. Oh, that's interesting. I don't Ooh, know if that's I don't know that's, if that's an even like, meta
1: kind of identity
3: yeah, like, conflict there I don't even know if that's like entirely true someone can correct me um mm-hmm. if not but um and and I'll say like a lot of black folks can be like oh yeah you know my grandmama and um they from Louisiana they from Mississippi mm-hmm. they from wherever you know we used to go back there and visit aunties and whoever when we were kids or whatever the case is a lot of folks have that story mm-hmm. um but I think, like, you know, for example, what do we do with uh, Puerto Rico? What do we do with the U.S. Mm. Virgin Islands? Mm. Um, my mom is from the U.S. Virgin Islands, and mm. so is her mom. And so, you know, as far back as as I know. And there's some trading that happened, like the U.S. Virgin Islands, like, has changed hands. Uh, Puerto Rico has oh, changed yeah. hands. Oh, yeah,
1: British and all
3: Yeah, but, you know, like, still when we're talking about it, what does that mean for how we consider an American descendant of slave uh, of mm. slavery? Because I'm very much like I'm. I'm very clear that my family culturally is Caribbean. You know, we don't m- at the holidays they, there. are no collard greens. There's no fried chicken. There's macaroni and cheese. Like macaroni and cheese might be kind of universal, but, um, but the <laughs> it's how the you make, make the macaroni and yeah, cheese. It's, it's so different. It's like it's a different yeah. kind of mac and cheese. Mm-hmm. Um. So it's, it's very clear, like culturally there's, there's a distinction, but at the same time, like my mom has always had that blue passport that
2: mm. is important.
3: My grandmother, mm. she was allowed to, to travel. Well, she might not have. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, they didn't need a blue passport because you don't need a passport to travel between the mainland united states and the u.s virgin islands Virgin so. Islands, mm. yeah so yeah so for me like this connection to to black identity and who gets to claim blackness i mean mm. i think part of the part of it is like the identity of blackness versus like an ethnicity of like african-american afro-caribbean mm. afro-british like whatever it might be mm-hmm. um, and i feel like folks are staking a claim on black like black applies to american Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, I don't know I don't think I agree with that Because You know, my experience is very Like, like when I walk out Into the world, mm-hmm. folks aren't Asking me necessarily about my ethnicity Like they're like, oh, there's a black woman And they treat me accordingly
1: Right <sighs> Yeah, uh, man, I mean Oh, Jackie, that was <laughs> Jackie, <be, laughs> she'd be Hitting on, you'd be like
2: it's I want
1: to, so, yeah, I want to, like I want to, I want to, I want to, so that's, that's difficult for me to even respond to all of that. But <clears throat> as I guess I'll tell kind of my, my own story, maybe there'll be some links to mm-hmm. um, a lot of, uh, a lot of what Jackie said, but <clears throat> I feel like I I do have a certain feeling about number one, non-Black Americans playing black American I I do I just I don't know if that's a thing yeah I don't I don't know if that's a thing but I just I feel like you know and I I talked to my friend one of my homeboys he's Nigerian we have a love-hate relationship with each other mostly hate it's mostly hate but a little bit of love there since like I've known him for so long but and he watches like all the episodes, <laughs> but I hate them Anyway. <laughs> <If I laughs> um, right. Um, but uh he he talks about like how Forrest Whitaker played Idi I mean, you know what I'm saying? Mm. And there are like Denzel Washington played Stephen Biko, which I don't really think he did a very good job when he played Stephen Biko personally, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, so I, I feel the same, I feel that other groups should feel the same way about their stories, right? Mm. That. You know, when, when Cynthia Erivo played Harriet Tubman, I saw the film, I loved the film. I think she did a phenomenal really? job. Yeah, really? I did, Ahead. I did, I really liked it. I really liked it. Um, I thought she did a great job, but there was something missing. It was mm. It was something that just couldn't, even if I didn't know she was British, there was something that didn't quite connect me. Um, that
0: entire film, <laughs> something was missing. But anyway, we'll come back to that. <laughs> the whole I, film was missing from itself is what it was. I thought it
1: was a People good
3: like, I liked it. I liked it. I wanted to like, it was so critiqued that I thought I was going to find a lot more going.
1: I, yeah, <laughs> I, I thought it was, but it was, it was something, it was something missing. And I And I say that because when you look at those top notch biopics, like Malcolm X, right? Or yeah. Ray, you know, or Tina Turner. Um, yeah. Angela Bassett playing Tina Turner. I think there's something significant about when you have the the uh, a certain African American experience, and then you're asked to play a role. Malcolm. I think Denzel was able to get into that Malcolm role not just because he looked a lot like Malcolm in the movie, but because a lot of what Malcolm was saying he himself was like yeah I agree with because I've been through this myself I grew up I think he grew up in what Mount Vernon but he had been around in Harlem and Brooklyn and all so he understood the New York the you know the super pro-black experience even if he himself wasn't a part of the nation or whatever but he understood that life that experience that identity and so to bring all of what he had to also reading and studying Malcolm and his teachings it just, it transformed on the screen. The fact that that Jamie Foxx grew up in the American South, he grew up in a segregated Texas, right? Playing music. He talks about how, you know, the first time he was ever called a nigger, he was like 18 and he was playing for these rich white people on the other side of town. And, you know, they called him a nigger and all this other. So he was able to link with Ray's story of being a musician in the American all oh, nigga, you know, all this other kind of stuff. So it's it's something about that. And I imagine they brought that to the screen. So even if you have like a Daniel Kaluuya, I think he did a phenomenal job with being Fred Hampton. Um, you know, when you do see the movie, he, he had the accent down, he had the mannerisms, he did a great job, but I still saw Daniel Kaluuya. It was just something, I don't know. It just, it, it was great, but it didn't get to the, to the like amazing status, like a Denzel or you know Tina, uh, Angela Bassett, or Jamie Foxx and Ray. You know what I'm saying? And so I say all that to say that I think that there needs to be a, a, a even more a lot of times from what I see from a lot of my Caribbean folks, and I'm and I'm seeing more and more Caribbean folks, my African brothers and sisters, um, a certain a certain. Distinction and, and an appreciation for the African American identity, just as much as African Americans need to have an appreciation mm-hmm. for the Caribbean identity and the African identity. You know what I'm saying? Because we've all learned from each other. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, you know, Marcus Garvey was inspired by Booker T. Washington. You know what I'm saying, and then Malcolm X was, in, and then Malcolm Malcolm X was inspired by Marcus Garvey, and that's African American, and that's Caribbean. But then, you know, you have folks looking at what was going Stoke on in South Carmichael. Africa. Stokely Carmichael, I mean, Stokely Carmichael influenced all, a lot of Black Americans. You know what I'm saying? Um, you he know, is
2: black power. He is black, black power.
1: Black and
3: I'm proud. Yeah. That's a, that can't,
1: and it's like we learn from each other. You know what I'm saying? And then from Stokely Carmichael, you get a Fred Hampton. From Fred Hampton and his 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 stuff, then you get a Daniel Kaluuya. So it's like we're all in mm. it's, So there has to be an appreciation. But sometimes what I see, particularly from some of my non-black American friends, um, is there is this time period and when some of them claim blackness and then sometimes they don't. And I think it also could be a generational thing, too, because I know many of them will say, Well, my parents said, I'm Jamaican or I'm Nigerian or I'm Liberian, I'm not black, right? Now I think we're in this time of Black Lives Matter, and you know, we're in this cultural exposure. All of the 2010s has been just this. This this heightened black identity that's been happening recently, I feel like now it's becoming cool again to be mm-hmm. black. But there's gonna so what's gonna happen when black is not as cool no more? Mm-hmm. Then are people distance themselves from? Or when black people do something stupid like when Three Six Mafia came and they got the Grammy for the, for the song they did, um, was it a Grammy or the Oscar? And they was they was acting crazy at the Oscars, and black people was like, man yo, this is a bad day to be black because them brothers was looking real crazy (laughs) up there on that Oscar stage. Mm -hmm. So, so, so it's not not cool no more. You know what I'm saying? What's going to happen then? And so, I think it's I think it's important for us to continue to have these conversations. Um, I love my Caribbean folks. I love my African folks. I love learning about all of the different histories. And I know a lot of them do appreciate the African-American story, because had it not been for civil rights, you know what I'm saying? Had it not been for a lot of the movements or the HBCUs that we yeah, attended, absolutely. the African-Americans yeah. helped to break, a lot of our Caribbean and African brothers and sisters came to those institutions and broke through from those movements. So, but a lot of that we learned from Marcus Garvey and like you said, Stokely Carmichael and mm-hmm. Nelson Mandela and, you know, Jomo Kenyatta and so many other people. So it's like, I think the more we appreciate the diversity of blackness and understand that it's all, we're all, and that's a whole nother conversation, but yeah. do all identify with Africa? I think that's another piece.
2: Yeah.
1: Even, oh my, yeah. I was just having this conversation. I was talking to two of my other friends. All, all of us, pro black. All of us, you know what I'm saying. All about the people. But they was like, "I ain't African. No, I'm, I'm black American. I don't, I don't identify with Africa. I this, mm. I that's just not my thing. You know what I'm saying? I'm all about being African. I rather you call me African or African American. But I think that's another layer. So yeah, it's, layer. it's so, it's so complicated.
0: It's, and and I think that is what makes just the conversation about what is Black such a deep and wide conversation because one thing is being Black it's about identity and identity is constantly changing. It's constantly changing. Every single moment identity is changing. And so if it's every single moment it's, it's changing within one individual, then if you look at a people collectively and if you look at the passage of time, how does that identity constantly, constantly change? You know, How does the, the identity of Blackness or the identity of an African change once they are brought to another location? And so specifically in this instance we're talking about America. And so then Okay, the identity of an Africa of being an African. <laughs> you know, during a period where your people are enslaved. And then what happens to that identity once your, your people are no longer enslaved? Um, and then, but at the same time, um, what happens when that identity, um, I mean, when those people are not quite enslaved, but the slavery has taken on something different. So now there's Jim Crow. And then also then there's the terrorism that happens from white people who see you as black, you know, um, being a free, being a freed African versus being an enslaved African. Um, so it's like, there's these shit and then then there's the whole like being I'm just trying to track history right now as being an American and so then what happens when there's a war and so then you are now American and you can fight in the war for this country so are you as African as you are American and now there's Mm -hmm. generations of you're now generations removed from Africa and so now you are an American who can fight on Um, another country soil as an American and yet still face discrimination as a black person. Because you're not African, but you're an American. I can fight for this country. And then once I come back to this country, I am not looked at as an American at all. I'm a nigger, I'm all of these other things. And Mm. so I keep going and then the civil rights movement happens and what does it mean to be black? And then also then the seventies happens and then it's now actually the introduction of the term I'm black and I'm proud, right? And then you keep going and then it keeps happening and so now hip hop and all this other kind
1: of stuff and then hip
0: hop happens and then Mm -hmm. it's just like the the culture of blackness begins to take shape in a different way it's beginning to we're seeing it in the arts but we saw it in the arts from the 20s during the renaissance or whatever that and so it's like black is becoming a culture it's becoming a thing people are expressing themselves right and so then you have all of this that's happening um and then now the internet age then Uh. makes the world flatter and so now that it's flatter we begin to see all these different types of blackness and these different comparisons of blackness. That's such a good explanation. And so then you start to, so then blackness becomes a whole lot more textured, textured because we're able to connect with different types of black people in different ways. And we're seeing different representations. And with that, because of the flatness, other people who are not black are beginning to take claim to this blackness and they're beginning to appropriate and misappropriate mm. all of this blackness. And so now we're beginning to see this thing where it's just like, are you black or not black? We see the question of it's the race, protection. the protection protect of blackness, wanna... right? Because <laughs> now that culture, now we're taking ownership of that thing because we're seeing other people do it and we see them getting credit for it in ways that we can't get credit for. We see white girls wearing bamboo earrings. We see white girls put, um, put plastic in their bodies to try to represent the black female form of what's traditionally considered the black female form, which is a whole nother issue. And then we mm-hmm. see people wearing braids and calling them box braids or whatever the hell they call them now. Boxer, boxer braids. Boxer braids and stuff, the things that are like quintessentially Looking like braids. a boxer. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so then we see all of this happening and then we begin to say like, what does it mean to be represented as a black person? What is blackness, mm-hmm. right?
2: It's
0: constantly changing and who gets to who gets to decide what it means to be black right who gets to decide what it means to um to be a member of the diaspora of the african diaspora? african diaspora because africa now that we have the internet people are no longer looking at africa as a country you begin to see that africa is composed of all of these different parts to be african means to be also egyptian means to be algerian means to be moroccan and those people don't look don't have the phenotype necessarily of what it means to be black to us.
2: Mm, right mm, and so it's mm, just
0: like is this or if if there's a south african well we didn't, didn't even talk about apartheid but then it's just like if you're a south african white person and you come to america, america. Then are you are American? you african American? can we say that am i comfortable with that hell no in some ways but at the same time i can't Ooh. deny your roots and so it's just like there's such a nuance that's happening now and i feel like it's good for us to grapple with it it's good for us to grapple with our own identities it's good for us to grapple with other people's identities to the point where it doesn't make us go crazy and where we can have peace. So going back to what Jackie said about even thinking about Daniel Cameron, I don't, we don't think about it. So how can I reflect on my own identity? How can I reflect on the identities of others to the point where I still have peace? (laughs) How can I be, um, I think it's important for us to be gracious. I mean, to think about my own identity as like how my black identity has evolved (laughs) and Mm. matured. So it's just like, how can I be gracious to myself? How can I be gracious to others? when I'm thinking about other people, am I, am I wanting to give them grace or am I wanting to take away grace? I want to pay attention to that kind of thing. And I will yes. say for myself, at the end of the day, I want to give grace to my brothers and sisters, any person from the diaspora, because we have so many different experiences. We, and there's so many reasons why we identify and don't identify with different things. Why those, why your friend is like, well, no, I'm an American. I'm not an African. It might be the same reason why my aunt. <laughs> when we were talking she was like yeah I never really wanted to go to Africa it's just like I don't want to go there it's just like why what messages have you seen that make you want to be distant from the motherland or what I consider the motherland but it's just like I I don't know but at the same time I'll give you grace that's all I can do is just say "I, I don't know I don't know and you know Godspeed, God be with you, you know, and so I feel like this question will continue to evolve, we'll continue to have different feelings about it, and I think that's okay, because I think um, one thing that I do know is we want to be able to have permission to define blackness for ourselves. I don't think that, um, I think the whole liberation movement, it's the same reason with like the feminist movement, it's just like we just want to be able to be able to make our own choices. So as a black person, can a black person decide what blackness is for them individually or does it have to be a collective decision? Are we a monolith? Um, Doesn't that monolithic um, like reasoning take away from me as an individual? And isn't that what slavery is in a sense? Mm -hmm. Isn't that not the point that there can't be one definition because that's not freedom. Yeah. So. That's my, I have so much more with that because when it comes to being black and as a light-skinned black person, it's like, am I challenging? We didn't even to get to that pass? point. You didn't yeah. get to colorism because that's the thing for me where it's just like, you know, I I, I look like, I'm, I'm lighter skinned. I have freckles for those of you who can't see it. Mm-hmm. When I was growing up, I had more like red hair. So it's just like, am I less black? And so mm-hmm. then when people want to try to say, well, like like when my spouse gets married, is he gonna get criticism? I mean, when I, my spouse gets married, so when I get married to my spouse, will he get criticism for having a light-skinned black woman <laughs> versus uh, it's just like, oh, you're not super black because you got the, because we all know, and it's true, Obama got more credit because Michelle was a brown-skinned right. black woman. Straight up, she did that He got more great. black credit. Yeah. And so it's just like, that's my spouse, he's, is, he's gonna, is he gonna get the criticism? And it's like, well, yeah, she but he she black, but she like light-skinned. He probably liked them light-skinned black, but mm. it's just like, that that's not fair to me. And yet it's like, I understand where where they're coming from.
2: Yeah, I get
0: it. But anyway, we're at the end of our show. And what we have a new (laughs) segment called takeout boxes, where we're going to say, what are our main takeaways that we want to give you for um, from each of the co-hosts? It could be a it could be an article. It could be something else. And so we're just going to shift into the takeout boxes. So each I know I just spit but like um, I'll start with what my takeout box will be. I encourage every person here to look up the song Next Tail Chirp by Maceo. (laughs) Uh, Maceo is
2: M-A-C-E-O.
0: Please (laughs) take a gander. (laughs) Please listen to Next Tail Chirp. I encourage you to listen to the lyrics and I encourage you to see um, how it is similar to a Negro spiritual. Mm, That's my takeout
1: box. Takeout box.
0: giving it to John and Jackie.
1: Okay.
3: I get
0: to look up this uh, book. Like I can think about it. Um, well John,
1: while, while Jackie Jackie's doing that. Do we yeah. want to go to John? Yeah. Um my takeout box isn't a isn't a, a song or or book, but my takeout box, what I want people to 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 take from this conversation is just an equal appreciation for for all black people. Except for R. Kelly, right? So any black person besides <laughs> R. Kelly, you know what I'm saying? Like, we can have an appreciation for what they bring to our experience. Even you know, I'm I'm hoping Daniel Cameron turns around, but I'm not sure. I'm leaning more towards Jackie. Like you, you didn't stand up for our sister. So you you kind of in the R. Kelly box a little bit. Like you kind of going into that area for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, but nah, in all in all seriousness though, like I I do I want all um ethnicities within the African diaspora. I would love for us, even if everybody doesn't connect with Africa or say they're African, that's fine, that's a whole nother conversation, but at least have an appreciation for what Caribbeans bring to our you know, for that history, and for African history, and for Afro-British history, and for Afro—you know—Afro-Latina history, and for you know—Afro-Asiatic history, and just having an African Americans like everything that we bring to who we are globally as Black people. And actually, I do have a have a book or a series. If you could look up the African presence in, and it's like every continent. It's by Renoku Rashidi, R-U-N-O-K-U. Rashidi, R-A-S-H-I-D-I. And he has a series of the African presence in America, the African presence in Asia, the African presence in Australia, the African presence in, you know, um, Europe, you know, Europe. And, and when you read that, you'll see just like out of Africa, just the beauty of who we are all over the place. And you just have a much greater appreciation, I believe for um just being just being blessed to be to be who we are to be who god made us which is you know to be black and to be proud so uh yeah check that out
3: yeah i um i had to look up the book and now i feel silly that i didn't remember the name of the book
2: um is it phenomenal it a... <laughs> you know <laughs> you know
1: you know so <laughs> <There's laughs> 90- she is I a fan of night
3: like he's Caribbean too that's identity um,
1: all day (laughs)
3: yeah Um, no it was about Stokely Carmichael because there was so much stuff that I didn't um, know about him like his history his background like how he um, began to understand like um, his own like black identity Mm. Um, but anyway the book about Stokely Carmichael is called Stokely (laughs) (laughs) Peniel Joseph I don't know if I pronounced his first name right um but it's called Stokely. subtitle is a life um Uh. and I just thought it was such a good book like I was looking for something to understand like the black power movement um and obviously like it's a little bit more about like Stokely Carmichael um but it was it's a it's a good read um even if if you know you kind of skip back and forth through it um yeah, and I think um, just for dissertation stuff, I got a little bit into um, Marcus Garvey and some of what he was teaching around Pan-Africanism. Um, your dissertation going to be crazy. I can't you know, wait so to read
1: good. that joint. I can't <laughs> wait to read that joint,
2: bro. It's right, be from, lit.
3: from your lips to God's ears.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that joint going to be crazy,
3: bro. I know it. Yeah. I know it. But, yeah. But, you know, just getting into Marcus Garvey um, and some of his teachings, I think, is helpful for re-engaging with a Black identity that is not necessarily rooted in ethnicity, which, I mean, I'm not knocking ethnicity. I think that, you know, American, British, Caribbean, Canadian, like whatever your ethnicity is, is important. Um, It adds a lot to... The, the texture I like that word amber, um, mm. of how Black folks are and like how we like share across cultures or whatever. But yeah, the idea of us being just really connected and rooted um, in continental um, pan Africanism is, I think, sitting with me. So, cool. Okay, I'm there. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Another episode,
0: another
1: episode, season two. We kicking it off, baby. (laughs) It's been another episode of Street Academy Podcast where we keep one foot in the academy and one foot in the streets. Um, yo, please leave comments or hit us up. Yo, our IG been popping, you know what I'm saying? Once we got the IG, we got almost 50 followers right now, bro. Like, (laughs) oh (laughs) we we rolling. You know, we we do doing the thing. You know, we just uploaded some pictures. We did a whole photo shoot for season two. You know what I'm saying? So it's happened. Street Academy podcast, roll it. Um, so inboxes, leave comments. Let us know what you think about things yeah. we've been saying, whether you agree or disagree, whatever. is fine. That's what this, you know, platform is about. Um, and uh, yeah, we just going to keep uh, coming up with videos and, you know, we're going to yeah, we just gonna we we gonna keep moving. Um and uh, what else? I think that's it. Hit us up our, our email address, Academy podcast at gmail.com. If you have any ideas on shows or anything you want us to talk about, uh, feel free to inbox us um, either individually or or at our IG, or you can email us. Uh, you can find me, Jonathan Grant at J Paul Grant on IG. Jackie. At Jackie's
3: Admission, at everything. Mm. Um and at Amber
0: Camila. I don't be on social media, but yeah. She really don't be on
2: that mug <laughs> She
1: don't. i be sending Amber messages. She get back like a month and a half I don't later. Nah, I don't she don't.
0: Right. <laughs> But hit except Amber.
1: Yeah, just inbox what? me. You can inbox me and Jackie. You do. <laughs> it may or
0: may not change. I go in and out.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I like how she
0: I like when you say John, all hearts and minds clear. Okay? Oh, I because forgot. Yes. I feel, yes. Like, I feel like that's a great way to close.
1: I know, I forgot. I, it's been so long. Yes, yeah, so all hearts and minds clear. Yes. We good? Everybody good. Everybody mm-hmm. feeling good, feeling great, feeling good, feeling great. How about you? you? All right, y'all. It's been another episode. We Peace out. A-town
0: down. Boom,
1: boom, 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 yeah. boom, 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 boom. Boom boom. Boom boom. Never heard they the song it's it's face. Face. this was the mid 2000s when it took like a minute and a half to get the song started.
2: <laughs> next
1: <tail> okay, okay,
2: okay. But you know, got their feet apart. The neck that I hate is the game in the devil, like. Came in-